forgive me. Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes 5. I'm getting older because I'm going to look like this a lot tonight. But that'll be okay. Ecclesiastes 5. Thank you again for being here. I sure appreciate you being faithful to the house of God. Well, uh, let's read these verses. We'll start in verse number 1. These are some very good verses. And, they have their, their, and I want to read them tonight. And Lord willing, <clears throat> be able to help us look what this Bible, our Bible has to say. And here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot with, when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they, that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore, God, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams are in many words, there is, are also divers vanities. But fear thou God. Now these are some great verses, and I want to do my best to hopefully help us to see the great truth there is from these verses. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, I love you. And I pray, Lord, you to help us as we look at your word. God, your word is so important to us. And God, what you have here for us tonight as your children is so very important to us as well. God, I pray, Lord, you speak to our hearts. Now help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've been with us for the, over the past, I guess, 10 Wednesdays or so, uh, you're going to know that we're, that we're in a, currently a series of messages that I've entitled The Search for Satisfaction. You know, I don't think anybody in here tonight would say that they want to be miserable in their life. We all want to be happy, uh, and we all want to be satisfied in our life. The question really becomes, where is, where is it that you and I are searching for our satisfaction? You know, the world you and I live in today ha ha gives us many promises uh, about what can bring us happiness, yet in the end, those promises can never deliver. And that is the truth of what you and I have been learning in this book, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, or as he calls himself, the preacher, has spent several chapters in observation, uh, an observation of life and life's failure to deliver true happiness. He's observed the work of men and he's observed his own work and it's all come up empty or va in vanity. He's observed the weariness of the circular, circular nature of life and it's left him empty. He's observed the evil and the impression of men, and it's left him crying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And, and yet, as we enter chapter 5, he, he, he's going to continue in this, this observation of life. Chapter 5, however, is a very different chapter because chapter 5 begins to read in, after verse 7 like, like almost like a chapter of Proverbs, just little short tidbits of wisdom in a verse-by-verse -verse nature. And it's a really interesting and a very good chapter, but... The opening verses of chapter 5, really, they, they, it, it gives us an observation and a warning that you and I must stop and take heed of. Solomon, in his observation of life, turns his eyes toward the temple. And while he saw a lot that gave him pause and concern on the outside of the, of the house of God, 
when he began to look inside of the house of God, there were some things that gave him great concern as well. As Solomon spends these first seven verses of chapter 5, giving you and I a warning about our worship. A warning about our worship. You know, can I just say that coming to church is a vitally important thing for a Christian to do. I'm bothered in this world that we live in, the amount of people who claim to be a Christian and they simply don't go to church whatsoever. Now listen, I know this is the Wednesday night crowd and you know, in a lot of ways I'm kind of preaching to the choir tonight, but if you'll just let me, I probably should have preached this on Sunday morning, but you're here and I'm gonna, I got this ready to preach, so I'm going to try to preach it. But, but I'm, I'm bothered by the amount of people who, are, who claim to know God and claim to be a Christian and yet have no desire whatsoever to go to church. I mean, just yesterday, Brian and David and I were on visitation, and we knocked on the door, and, and we knocked on the door of a, of a person, and we invited him to church. And the man, basically, this is what the man said. He said, "I, I used to go to a Baptist church. I grew up. I've been to a Baptist church my, for so many times. I can't even count it." He said, "But I kind of got churched out, and he hadn't been back since." You know, can I just say when he said that, that was a very sad, sad. That is a sad, sad. You know, I mean, I. I and church is important. It's a vital thing for the Christian, for their growth, to be faithful to the house of God. You and I have example after example after example in our New Testament of, 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 of how important the early church believed in faithfulness to the house of God. But probably the most famous and the most often used verse in support of that belief would have to be Hebrews 10.25. And I would dare say most of us, if not all of us, can quote that good verse. Because that verse says this, Now forsaking not the, 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 the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. That verse tells you and I that we're not to forsake the house of God. That word forsake is a very interesting word. That word forsake, it means to abandon or to desert or to leave behind. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling you and I is that the closer you and I get to the day of the Lord, uh, to, to the day of the rapture, the child of God shouldn't spend less time outside of the church house. The child of God should spend more time inside of the church, and so much the more. You and I have no business forsaking or abandoning or departing from the church. We ought to be faithful. You know, I, 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 I'm just like you, I'm sure. I've talked to people before. I've invited them to church. And they'll say something like this. I don't go to church anymore. There's too many hypocrites down there at the church. And can I say, they're not wrong. I am one. And we'll be honest, all of us have a little bit of hypocrite in us every once in a while. But you know what I've, you know what I've learned in life? You know, there's hypocrites down, down at the Walmart where I buy my groceries. But I still go buy my, buy my groceries at Walmart. And much more important than the physical food that I need to survive, the spiritual food that I need to thrive and survive in this world is much more important to me. So I think what we ought to do is just show up. I one hypocrite to another hypocrite. Let's just show up to church and let's be faithful to the house of God. I read this story just this week, just this week about a man who was deaf and he was blind and he was almost deaf and yet he was faithful to church. I mean, every time the church doors were open, that man was there. And he was probably a Baptist because he had a place to sit. We don't have assigned seats here, but we got assigned seats. So this man, he was there every service in his place, right where he always was. And finally, one one person came to him and said, he said Sir, I don't understand. You can't, you can't hardly hear, and you're blind. Why do you keep coming to church? 
And the man thought about it for a minute. He just finally said, I just want everybody to know whose side I'm on. And that's why I come to church. Can I tell you something? When you pulled out of your out of your out of your driveway tonight, when you were backing that out of your driveway, heading down the road, can I tell you what you were doing? You were just letting everybody in your neighborhood know whose side you were on. Hey, when you and I walked in here tonight, we sat down to church tonight. Can I tell you what we were doing? We were just letting everybody know, hey, I'm here and I'm on your side. Hey, I'm on the Lord's side. And when we show up to church, we're just telling everybody whose side we're really on. Now, I said all that to say this. How we come to church is very important as well. These verses give you and I great warning about how we should approach worship. And they give us a warning about worship in the house of God. Let me share a few things with you and we'll go to the house. Can I tell you, the first thing I see in this, I see is I see a warning, a warning about a guarded worship. A guarded worship. The, the first warning that you and, I, you and I see is found in the very first word, in the very first verse of this chapter, where it says the word keep. It says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. That word keep, what it means to watch, or it means to, uh, it means to, uh, to, to, to beware, to set up a protection around, or to guard. You and I are to guard some things when we come to church when we come to the house of God. Now let me just stop and say this before I get too far. That does not mean that you and I are not to enjoy coming to church. I remember I remember when I was growing up, me and my brother, we were at church one day. We were both little kids and we were sitting there and we were goofing off when we were acting how we shouldn't have. And my mom, she kind of just hit her limit. And she looked at me and my brother and she said, stop having fun. You're at church. And you know, can I tell you something? I think a lot of people, too many people, they think that way and they feel that way. That church is not something to be enjoyed, but rather it's something to be endured. But friend, can I be honest with you? Uh, That's not the case at all. We can't enjoy being here and we should enjoy being in the church house. And that's not what these verses are teaching us. But they they do teach us that when we do come to church, there's some things that you and I should guard against. And Solomon gives you and I three things that we should guard against when we come to the house of God. The first thing he tells you and I is that you and I should guard against our feet. That's what he says. He says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Keep thy foot. Now let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud, but just answer it inside of your own head and your own heart. Why did you come to church tonight? Why did I come to church tonight? You know, this, 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 this statement speaks to you and I about our purpose for being in church. What was your purpose when you came? What was your purpose when you came to church tonight? You know, the purpose for the child of God when they come to church is very simple. We come to worship. We come to worship. Now, can I just say this? I'm, 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 I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're faithful. But in reality. Well, I'm glad I get to see you here. I didn't come to church for you. And I sure hope you didn't come to church for me. You know, I'm, I'm glad for the time we get to shake hands and we get to fellowship and we get to talk. But the reality, reality of it is my main purpose for coming to church wasn't to shake hands and to fellowship and to talk. The reason why we come into this place and we walk through those doors is we come to worship God. He is the reason why we are here. 
And what Solomon is saying when he says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, he's saying, hey, make sure you're guarded against the reason why you are walking in to the place you're walking into. We ought to have a desire when we come in here to meet with God. Hey, friend, listen, we say it all the time, or I say it all the time, and, and, I, and, I, and I hope you know I mean it that way. If God doesn't meet with you and I, and if you and I aren't here to meet with God, then the whole purpose of why we've come here has been in vain. Hey, friend, I, I, I don't know how you are, but I know this. I need to hear from God. I need to meet with God. I need to worship God. I need his help, and I need his touch. And when I come here, my heart's desire, my main focus, my main goal ought to be that I want to worship God. Now, friend, listen, I, we live in a day and age, and I, I, I feel like I've been bashing a lot of people here lately, and that's not my intent. But we live in a lot of the day and age where a lot of churches have become nothing more than just Christian country clubs. Where we just kind of show up, we just shake hands, and we fellowship for a while, we eat a snack here or there, we hang out, and finally somebody says, hey, maybe we ought to sing a song or something. And then they can sing a few songs, and they say, well, maybe the preacher ought to say something. The preacher gets up there, and he's got a little 10-minute sermonade about whatever, trying to make us feel good about ourselves, and we call that going to church. But, friend, that's not the way I understand what church is all about. The church, the church's main priority, the church's main, main, main focus, the church's main thing, and it ought to be the main thing, is to worship God. And when we come to church, our, our, our heart's desire, our intent ought to be God speak to us. God, let me hear from you. God, help me. God, I just want to worship you and keep our foot. Listen, listen, when you and I, when you and I come to church this Sunday, let's make sure that our, our desire, that our foot is guarded against anything other than just meeting with God and worshiping God. He says, there's, a, there's a warning to guard our feet. But then he says this, not only should you and I guard our feet, he said you and I should also guard our ears. Guard our ears. Here's what he says. <clears throat> he says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. You know, we, what is that great statement that you and I have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak? You know, I, you and I, when we come to church, our ears have got to be open. We ought to come to church. For the, if, if, our, if our desire to come to church is to meet with and to worship God, then we're going to come into church with our ears opened up and ready to hear from God and to obey what he's telling you and I to do. Listen, we, when we come to church, and, and, and whether it's through the singing or whether it's through the preaching or whatever, our, our desire ought to be to hear what God has for us so that we can then turn around and be obedient to what he's telling you and I to do. Friend, I, I, we, we, ought to, we ought to be ready to come in and worship. And we don't just do it with our feet, but then we also learn how to worship with our ears as well. You know, I, I think, man, when it comes to the idea of worship, we all have this idea in our head of what that looks like. But what I've learned, and I don't know a whole lot, but that worship looks different to different people. Some people, they worship with their tears. And whether somebody, maybe somebody's singing a good song, or maybe, maybe, maybe through the preaching, the Lord touches that person's heart, and they just begin to weep. And that is being obedient to the Spirit of God that is pricking their heart. And they ought to be ready to hear and obey. And some people worship with their tears, and I'm okay with it. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm, 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 I'm a, <laughs> I get a little teared up every now and again too, and I, that's okay. We ought to, if, look, if, look, I think the Lord can help you and I. I'm glad the Lord bottles our tears and he keeps those. And I, you and I, some people worship with their tears. Some people worship with a shout or with a, or with a, or with a hand raise or, or whatever the case may be. And can I tell you something? I'm for all that too. 
Listen, I, I know there's some people in this world, and I don't think anybody in here is like that, but I, I'm not trying to make you mad, but there's some people in this world that think church ought to be a quiet place. I know there's some churches that, that, that if somebody were to raise their hand or to shout, they'll get escorted out. And somebody will tell them, hey, we don't do that around here. Well, Frank, can I be honest with you? When I study my Bible and read my Bible, what I understand about my Bible is this is the quietest place it's ever going to be for the child of God. Now, when I get to heaven, there'll be a lot of shouting going on, a lot of praising going on, a lot of worship going on. And if it's too, and, 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 and if I don't like it down here, I might not like heaven too much because there's going to be an awful lot of worship going on. And one of my favorite people in all the world, most of y'all know him, is like Buddy Hooser. And I like that guy. When I started going to Woodland, I, I, listen, I, I grew up in a real quiet, real quiet church. When I started going to Woodland, there was this guy in the front row. And, I mean, and it, it, you could just say hello to him, and he starts shouting. I mean, he get, I mean, he, he, he'd get up, and he, he has about three or four different moves. He's got the, he's got the home run hit. He's got the, the golf swing. He's got, I mean, he's, listen, he's just worshiping, and I like that stuff. Can I just tell you, listen, friend, if, if, if the Lord touches your heart and you want to and you want to obey what he's got to say to you, you want to shout, shout. If you want to raise your hand, raise your hand. If you want to run, run. Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to hear what the Holy Ghost is doing in your life. Hey, we ought to be ready to hear and then obey what he's telling you and I to do. We ought to be obedient. And when we come to church, we ought to be. Ought to be ready to go. Hey, we ought to, whether it's through tears or through shouting, I mean, some people respond in worship by, by going to the altar to pray. And I'm all for that too. Listen, I'll, I'll just say this. I think y'all know this, but I'll just say it again. But listen, our altars are never closed in this church. Hey, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, whether it's during the, through the singing or the preaching or whatever, I know there's some places that kind of have it all set up in some kind of order where it's like, you know, if somebody were to come during the singing or the altar, like, hey, look, it's not time for that. We don't, we don't come to the altar so we, the preacher says stand. Friend, that's not how it works around here. If the Lord, if the Lord is, is, is pricking your heart and convicting your heart and you want to come to the altar, come to the altar, pray. Hey, listen, if we've got to preach around you, we'll preach around you. I don't care. You've got to, you, you've got to be obedient. Because when we come to church to worship, we ought to be able to hear and obey what the Lord's telling you and how to do. I mean, listen, we, we ought to guard against our feet. Let's make sure when we come to church that our main focus is about worshiping Him. Let's make sure that we come here to worship. But when we do guard our feet, let's guard our ears so we can hear and be obedient. But He doesn't just tell you and I to guard our feet and to guard our ears. He also tells you and I, when we come to church, We've got to guard our mouth as well. Guard our mouth. Here's what he says. He says, verse 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven for thou, and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of word. Now there's a great truth in these two verses. <clears throat> about our words here in church. You know, you and I must always be very careful with our words in church. You know, can I tell you something? There's a sad statement on the church, but the church is full of way too many words and not enough action. Way too many words and not enough action. We study much and we teach much, but does our study affect our actions? We speak much about the evil in the world, yet do our words that we speak cause you and I to act. There's a great verse over the book of Proverbs. Let me just tell you why I love this verse. I, when I grew up on my grandpa's farm, especially around this time of year, the summertime, 
we were cutting hay, we were working on the farm. There were just days I would go on his farm to work, and I just wanted it to rain. I mean, I just, I would beg God, please let it rain, because I do not want to be out here today. It was hot, it was sweaty. I mean, it was just rough, rough work. And every once in a while, I'd be hoeing the garden, or I'd be in the hay field, and all of a sudden, this, this storm cloud, this cloud would pop up. And I'd look off of the distance and say, oh, man, here it comes. We're about to go to the house. And I'd get so excited, so excited, because I just knew it was coming. The rain was on its way. But you know how many times that, that cloud would pop up and pass over my way and give me shade for just a moment, just to travel on down the road and not let one drop of rain hit that ground. And it made me so mad. Man, I mean, I was just, I mean, it, it looked good. I mean, it had great promise in it. And I knew it was going to give me what I was asking for. And yet it never gave what it promised. Can I tell you the kind of person who comes to church and does an awful lot of speaking? No, no, not a lot of doing. They're just like that rain cloud. That's what the that's what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 10, uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 10. Hang on, I'll have to pull it up real quick. Here we go. Proverbs 25, verse 14, excuse me, it says this. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Can I tell you something? We, we, the church that spends an awful lot of time talking, not a lot of time doing, is just like that rain. I mean, we, listen, we, 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 God's people are not just to speak, but they're to act. We, we are to be doers of the word and not just hearers. I mean, we speak much about Bible truth. We speak much of, we, 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 we live in a day and age where we just, we, we like to argue doctrine. We like to argue philosophy. Yet, but does the truth of the Bible cause you and I to walk out these doors into that world and act a different way? We speak much about the evils of the day and the, and the, and the terrible political system and the terrible school system and the terrible this and the terrible that. But yet, while we speak about it in here, do we walk out those doors and put any action behind our words? The Bible tells you and I that when we come to church, we ought to be very careful about the words we speak because the words we speak ought to have action. I like that verse number, uh, that verse number three. It says this, For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness. You know, we, if we want to talk about how things ought to be and how things should be, I'll tell you how, they, I'll tell you how to make it a reality is to stop talking about it and start doing something about it. Friend, I'm going to tell you right now, we, tell, we say it all the time, but they have the greatest hope for America is not founded in the White House, but in the church house. And we say it, and we say we believe it, and yet we still constantly talk about how, how terrible politics are. And we won't walk across the street and tell a neighbor who's lost and dying and on their way to hell how they can go to heaven. Friend, that's just you and I talking, but not doing a lot of doing. I mean, we talk, we, we talk about how Christians don't live right, Christians don't act right, and we ought to, we ought to be better Christians in our day-to-day -day life, and yet we talk about it. We don't do a lot of doing about it. A dream cometh through a multitude of busyness. See what we ought to be. Listen, we ought to be busy people. Not busy with our mouths, but busy with our feet. You know, we, these verses, they, they, these, are, these are things, this is this guarded worship you and I should have. We should guard our feet. We should guard our ears, but we should guard our mouth as well. So we see a guarded worship. Can I also show you what I would call a genuine worship? There's a warning here for a genuine worship. Verse 4 says this, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. 
Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, that thou shouldest vow and not pay. You know, what this is saying is this. If you tell God you're going to do something, you better do it. Because it's an awful lot better, it would would have been better for you to have never promised God something and then never promise him than it would be for you to promise him something and then never do it. Can I, can I just say something? I'm going to move fast. I'm going to move fast through this. You know, there are way too many Christians today who, who have two very different lives. They have their church life where they come to church and they act a certain way. And listen, the Baptists are some of the worst at it. We know how to come to church. We know how to smile right. We know how to shake, the right, shake hands. We know how to say, you know, we know how to put that facade on. So every we're doing absolutely okay. And in here we do, we do just fine. When we walk out those doors, we have our other life, our very different life. Can I just remind you that God sees all of that? Can I just remind you that God, that God has no pleasure in a life of worship that is not genuine? We, 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 the, the, our worship of our, of our, of our Savior it's not just something that we do in here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. The worship, the worship you and I have for our Savior is a life that we live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Our life should be a life of worship. And if our life is spent with you and I, with you and I coming in here and lifting our hands and, and praising God, only to walk out that door and live a totally separate, a totally opposite way, then God sees through all that and He knows that when we come in on Sunday that our worship is not a genuine worship. He doesn't want any part of that. Friend, I, 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 I want to worship God from a genuine heart. I want to worship God from a heart that, 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 that has a desire Every day, all day to please Him. And there's a there's a warning here against a a, a genuine worship, friend. We 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 we're all guilty of this. That so that we make God a promise. Say, God, I'll do this, and God, I'll do better. God, I'll be obedient to Your Word. God, I'll do this, and yet we fail to live up. And friend, we gotta be. Our desire to be genuine in our worship, truthful. In our worship, there's a warning here <clears throat> against a guarded worship, a warning for a genuine worship. And then, can I just say this? I'll be done. There is a warning here for a glorified worship as well. Verses six and seven are very good. They say this: Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the works of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities. But fear thou God. You know, <laughs> the, the verses 6 and 7, they speak to us about a, 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 a worship that does not see God for who he really is. They, 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 it, it, it is an a, a individual who simply, uh, who, simply, um, who simply lives the way they want and acts the way they want, simply just to look up to heaven and say, hey, I'm sorry about that, and live totally without fear of God. Now, we know this. I think we know this. That that, that word fear that you and I find at the end of verse number 7 is not, not, not being to be terrified or afraid of. That word fear, it really means to show great reverence to 
or respectful. So that where it says right there in verse number seven, can I just say what? It, can I just use the word reverence? And it, it says this. It says this. But reverence thou God. You know, I, we we live in a, in a in a day and age where the culture that we live in lives totally without fear of God. I mean, we. Those, those sins that used to slink down the back alleys of, of society now march down Main Street in a parade. I mean, we live in a day and age in a culture where people just almost are like thumbing, their, they almost live, they live totally irreverent of God. They live how they want, they, they say what they want, they go where they want, they shack up with who they want to shack up with. I mean, it's totally and completely irreverent in a life, in a life lived towards God. But can I tell you something? Let's not talk about out there. Let's come right in here to this place. There's a lot of people today who are Christian who live totally out of fear of God. You know, can I just say, what are we doing when we, when we, when we have no great deep respect for and great deep reverence for God? Where we, where we, don't, we don't live with a knowledge of the truth that God goes with you and I everywhere we go. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, the Bible says, beholding the evil and the good. And when I choose to be disobedient, I do so knowing full well that God saw my disobedience. When I, when I choose to, to sin against God, I do so knowing God saw my sin. And yet, and yet, what that verse is saying is, like, is that too many people live in sin, act the way they want, just in the hope they can look up at God and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. And friend, what I know about true repentance is this. True repentance is not a repentance that constantly wants to go back. It's a repentance that says, God, I'm going to do my dead level best to turn aside, turn my back. To repent, it literally means to make a 180 degree turn from. I'm not perfect. I don't know if any of y'all are, but I'm not. And I'm going to mess up, and I'm going to sin. But when I sin, my heart ought to be broken. I ought to, there ought to be something inside of me that says, just disobey the God who loved me, the God who saved me, the God who paid for that sin with the blood of his own son. And it ought, I mean, the Holy Spirit ought to have the ability to break the heart of the Christian. And that desire of that Christian ought to be Say, God, I'm going to turn my back 180 degrees from that sin. I don't want to return. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you. You know, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I don't know how some of y'all were, but when I was a teenager, I learned that I had very gracious parents. So I learned that if I messed up, one of the easiest ways to get out of it was to say, Sorry. And it got to a point where I started messing up enough, just apologizing enough. But the sorry didn't mean. Where I was just, it was just, hey, I dad this again. Hey, sorry about that. And finally, I just got to point where my dad said, if you were really sorry, really sorry, I think you'd stop doing that same thing over and over and over. But yet, yet, <laughs> Verse number seven, suffer not thy mouth that cause thy flesh to sin. And that is that place where there is no reverence 
no respect. And that individual just constantly sins and says, hey, I'm sorry. And yet there is no reverence for God. No fear of God. You know, I'm going to bring this in for a landing. There ought to be in the house of God a fear for God. And I just say, listen, I, I want to come in here and I want to have a good time. I'm, I, I like shaking hands. I like laughing. I like, you know, to joke around a little bit. I like all that stuff. Man, friend, set all that stuff aside. I want to come here and worship. I want to worship. I want to be able to freely worship. Myself. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to guard my feet, guard my ears, guard my mouth. I'm going to have to be genuine with God. And I'm also going to have to be, I'm going to realize he's the, the, the glorified nature of who my God is. You know, we, we, really, we really enjoy talking about God in the ways that we're comfortable. We like to talk about a God who provides, a God who loves, a God who's merciful, a God who's gracious. I'm glad he's every one of those things. I'm glad he does provide. I'm glad he is merciful. I'm glad he is gracious. I thank God for all those things. But friend, can I tell you what he is also? He's holy. He hates sin. It was sin that sent his son to Calvary to die. Friend, why would I want to play in that sin that caused his son to die? There ought to be inside of me a reverence, a fear of my God. And when I come in here, friend, there ought to be. There ought to be a fear. I want to see him high and lifted up. I want to see him holy. I want to see him merciful. I want to see him gracious. I want to see him as a provider. But I want to see him holy. These are warnings about worship. Warnings about worship. Brian, if you want to come play, 